0: Hey, folks, welcome to Enrollify's latest podcast series, The Modern Student. The Modern Student is a special podcast series that explores how technology is revolutionizing higher ed and engaging students. This special series is brought to you by our friends at Squiz. Squiz is a technology company that is revolutionizing the way higher ed builds digital experiences for its constituents. The Modern Student is hosted by me, Zach Buzicruz from Enrollify, and Jeff Dillon, a senior consultant at Squiz. This series will explore how the modern student is shaping the future of education, how to find and engage new student populations, why marketing and IT in higher ed need each other to thrive, and the future of technology in higher ed. You can learn more about the incredible work Squiz is doing and explore their client case studies at squiz.net, or you can connect with Jeff on LinkedIn via the link in the show notes below. All right, without further ado, welcome to the modern student. All right, sir we are we're live again how are you doing sir
1: i'm great zach how are you doing
0: i'm doing well um we were just talking offline and you know today's topic today's topic of conversation that we're going to be uh working through is taking on higher ed tech silos and discussing ways in which we can kind of fix them through collaboration uh, especially between i.t and, and marketing but what, what i think is I don't know if it's serendipitous, but you were just sharing with me that you're training for an Ironman, and I feel like breaking down silos in higher ed is is somewhat like training for competing in an Ironman, um, or at least it can feel that way for some. So I don't know. I feel like that's a very very serendipitous, uh, considering the topic of this of this week's episode and also what you're uh, what you're training for.
1: Yeah, I think
0: I think it can feel like an endurance event sometimes, let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh well, I'm excited for, for this conversation because over the course of the series we've uh we've been talking a lot about technology, the role that it plays in higher education from a recruitment standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, just from a from a systems standpoint. And what I'd love to kind of focus today's chat around are some of the ways in which folks can just very practically break down some of these silos. And Jeff, I want to get your thoughts too on just Things that you may have tried that have worked well, things that you've tried that have not worked so well over the course of, of your tenure. But I actually thought to kick off the conversation, it'd be helpful to kind of discuss different responsibilities and roles in higher ed, especially as it pertains to IT and marketing and like how you've seen that evolve over the course of your career.
1: Yeah, that's a great place to start because I do have a couple. Well, one, one kind of story about that because I actually started in the marketing side of academia back in 2000 so back when colleges were just getting websites up yeah you know, the the it someone in it would put up a website and so i was the first webmaster that that marketing took over the website when i got hired and took it out of it so there was already probably a little bit of maybe animosity i don't know what what it was but i had to work with it at that point and i was brand new i didn't know i didn't understand the politics of it all so i had this pretty proactive uh, marketing director as a boss and I told you about this one in you know, one of the previous episodes about Liquid Matrix. And she yeah. found this and we looked at it and we're like, yeah, we're getting that. And so I thought that's how it worked. You just go buy something and then you tell your IT people to go to go so and go know, do it. Know, implement it. <laughs> and we did that, and she did it. And 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 we got called into the CIO's office and ate some crow. And it was, <laughs> I was young and I didn't know I mean, I understood then that there's there's collaboration that needs to happen. And you know since then we've had all these i've had all these iterations of that same scenario but um you know we all know some version of that story you know and it always wants to be involved um but but that's how i started and and learning that that we have to work together now it's more critical than ever but yeah. before we get into that i think you have a, you're, you're right on with um talking about maybe the roles um one way i think to, to think about it too and, and often we don't think this way is you know, I was a director of a silo, I would say, a, a web and mobile team at a university in my, in my previous job at Sacramento. We had directors in, over many silos. Yeah. And this is just within IT. This is not the whole organization, right? We had them everywhere. Yep. But within IT, we had directors of teams and we would own our little silos and we would collaborate with the other directors. And, and I said, you know, to my boss, I said, what if we had our web, we had a, a team called the Enterprise Applications, a web and mobile team, um, and one called Campus Applications. Huh. How do you how do you determine how does the rest of the campus know what campus applications does, enterprise applications versus web and mobile? Yeah. It's yeah. all the same to everybody else. <laughs> enterprise was actually PeopleSoft. That was the PeopleSoft team. Campus applications was kind of like the legacy team. And we were kind of in between. We kind of did everything. But I said, why don't we position the web and mobile team to be the user experience team? Hmm. And rather than defining a silo, why don't we define it from the user's perspective? And that will tell campus one thing that, hey, you know, along with accessibility and security, where we're already doing that, isn't user experience as important? And it doesn't cost a lot to re, yeah. kind of re, relabel your team because they are already they should already be doing that. So it gets them refocused. So having a layer within the IT organization um, that's, you know, in California, a lot of this is happening within um, accessibility. All over the country, it's, it's security. But what if we treated the user experience the same way? And had it cross the organization, so I think that's one one easy step to take is, yeah. do you have anything like that within your central IT team? You could take that, apply that across the board in in higher ed um, outside of IT. But um, that's that's one thing I was just thinking about that happened right after I left. Is like they finally did change that job title of the director and the team within, um, and I think it does help. Yeah. The other things I think we can consider is look at how the evolution of of the marketing stack, you know, has has come how far it's come right yeah. this is what you do all the time
0: yeah you know because back in the
1: day we didn't have many tools to worry about and the it people had to worry about the bytes and the pixels that yep. was it yep it was print that was it all we had is print so the obvious answer is like marking has to keep up now because we're all dealing with the pixels and bytes now you know there's no way around it yeah and and i think we all we all know that so that's the there's the foundation
0: i just want to kind of circle back on this notion of how important like naming is too, right? When you're when you're thinking about a team and how it, it, it seems like it's a relatively, like, I like to talk about like simple things, right? They're not always easy, but they're, but they're simple, right? And a simple thing to all do right. is to come up with a name like you all did that, that made sense that could be understood externally as well as internally. And, just that, just that little change, I would imagine, created a broader sense of community and unity than than when it existed before. And it's just, it's just a name, right? Um, and yes, you know, there's some org structure stuff that that can follow and 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 whatnot. And it shouldn't just be, you know, just be a name forever. But first step is how do you create something that makes a little bit more sense to people internal to the team and external to the team? Again, with the purpose of a, trying to achieve more more unity so i i love that the second thing i just wanted to comment on too is it's funny how these it's funny how like terms right like user experience right been around for a while i think historically it's been something that like the technical people cared a lot about right now like designers obviously care a lot about that. Now, I would even argue there are more people in the marketing team that are talking about thinking about and using, right? And and caring about UX than ever before. And I feel like there's this like trend that happens and again, maybe this is just from, you know, my my perspective, but I'm I'm sure it's not that like a lot of things start in the technical realm, right? Um, but then they, they almost like graduate to marketing once, once they're ready. Like I think about like the website, for instance, right? You see more and more organizations and institutions in particular thinking that like, you know what, while IT is responsible for managing the website and making sure that it's like it's functioning well, more and more institutions are, are saying, Hey, marketing, you get the keys to, to the website, because this is a, this is a lead gen asset, right? Like this, this is an enrollment asset or an advancement asset. And that's, that falls under your domain. So it's funny to see just how, again, things kind of evolve and change from living in the technical realm to all of a sudden being recognized as no, 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 this is like a sales asset, or this is a marketing asset. It's, it's time that we graduate this particular team or this particular idea, to, to marketing. Is that something that you've kind of like observed or, 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 paid attention to over the years? Completely Zach. Um,
1: even in my role, you know, here at Squiz, I talk to universities all the time. And one of the questions I always ask is, how do you work with your IT team? Cause yeah. I'm often talking to one or the other, Yeah, you know, more often than not these days, I'm talking to someone in marketing who is saying like, I just want to check out what's available out there. And, and I love these people because they, they realize that they're in their silo and they're trying to, they're trying to broaden their perspective. And they say, but my problem is that just, you know IT kind of owns you know owns the site and yeah. and it's hard to get a meeting with them and they're not saying anything too bad they're just saying just how life really is and one example is is most mar- many marketing teams or staff throughout academia don't have really access or knowledge of of what people are using to to search when they're searching what are the search terms being used on the site
0: This episode is brought to you by our friends at Squiz. Squiz is a student experience platform that offers a full suite of solutions developed exclusively for higher education. Squiz has so many exceptional products that are worth checking out, but the two that I've been most impressed by are their custom site search product, Funnelback, and their website platform, which is a true DXP. And don't worry, I'll explain what that means in just a second. For the next wave of digital natives, search is not ancillary to navigation search is navigation. And Funnelback enables schools like yours to build custom smart site search. So that way your nursing program actually comes up when someone searches nursing, instead of that one nursing faculty event registration page from like two years ago. And their DXP, it's so much more than a traditional website CMS. A CMS is meant for exactly what it claims to be, content management. It's an important part of your marketing tech stack an important part of the student lifecycle, But that's just it. It's just a part. A DXP, a digital experience platform, is built to be the hub of your Martech stack. It relies on powerful integrations, data management, and an open platform in order to create the kind of experiences simply not possible with a normal CMS. Say goodbye to the finicky plugins of WordPress and the crappy site architecture of Drupal that hurt your SEO and get ready to meet the fastest, most powerful, and most personalized website platform for colleges and universities on the market. Today, the student experience begins online, not at school. And as an enrollment marketer, your job is to ensure that prospective students find what they are looking for as quickly and as easily as possible. Squiz is the secret friction reducers that schools across the globe are using to not just attract the next generation of students, but nurture them to the point of enrollment in a way that is conducive, and not counter to how they consume information and make purchasing decisions. You can learn more about squiz at enrollify.org forward slash squiz. Again, that's enrollify.org forward slash squiz.
1: And that's a huge thing that, that that they need to be aware of because um, one of our schools was telling me that they, they use they use that data to decide what programs they're gonna offer.
0: Yeah. Because yeah. they'll
1: see something being searched and like, gosh, we're not offering that. They'll do a little research and, and you know, that's one example. They don't even some some marketing teams, many don't even know that's even possible. Yeah. Like, oh I can have access to that because the tools available up until maybe, you know, a few years ago, you know, didn't really support that. Yeah. Do you, so do you how do you know what questions to ask? You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> do you do you think or do you have again, you have a totally different vantage point um, than I do on this um just cuz you have access to more of these conversations but like are, are there is this are, are there moves to try to take developers and obviously sort of uh digital designers right and move move them fully into the marketing team and it's almost like the IT team is 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 there but it's really just there for security and anything that you know institutionally maybe maybe sort of like uh member logins or they're they're monitoring like the sis and making sure things are just kind of like functioning well is there is there a move or a reality where like essentially what we think of the it team as today really just becomes high level security Right, systems management at the highest of levels, but in terms of configuration like- configuration experts, maybe? exactly, exactly. In t- right, but in terms right. of anything that has to do with web development, right, or or UX design, all of that just comes over to marketing. Like, are, how are these? Th- is this happening, or, or what is your perspective on all this?
1: I, I think that's what's happening. I mean, I think the the it's, h- it's tough to see like what the trend is because I think every school's at a different level right yeah. now with that. Yeah, you know, and and you talked about. About UX people or designer type people um, moving, you know, I think I think marketing teams are looking more and more to get their own resources that way. Yeah. Having someone move internally within an organization is kind of tough. That doesn't, I think, that's not quite what's happening. But when you say that latter part, yes, I think that is where we're headed. Is that those skills, that brain drain has been happening for a while. So these really great people often have left to go to the private sector to yeah. build these incredible companies. Yeah that are now supporting higher ed so it's becoming affordable it's becoming they have all the tools they know the market um so yeah I think that's that's kind of where we're headed and I think we're gonna we're gonna see a retooling of what it. divisions look like and I think that fear that some, some leadership in it. and and universities are afraid of that yeah of course they're afraid of change right they're afraid of like of number one is the whole remote thing like what are we gonna do with all these buildings well let's think creatively and and maybe we can repurpose these buildings for food pantries and, and things like that but um, from the IT side, you know, I've heard someone say at a director level, and, and hopefully this is uncommon, you know, I don't want my people to learn anything new. Yeah. You know, I think that's not, and there's an old attitude there that, that, that people need to stay in their lane. But, you know, someone who's, let's say, a Drupal developer, if they have those skills, they can pick up other skills as well. They, yeah. can, they can do other things. They have the brain for that. So um, there's that. We're going to stay on this technology because we have it already. Yeah, you know, we have to think. You know, I think we have to think different, um, and and really trust that our people are flexible and they want to learn.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do, What are your thoughts uh, again? In the, in the spirit of kind of breaking down down silos here, right? One way to break down these silos is is obviously we take, we we kind of retool uh, as you've been talking about the IT team, right? More and more over time. What we think of uh, web development, we think of uh, you know UX design as as you know it could live here in marketing or it could live in in IT, right? And there are justifications to be made for both. Let's just say we're living in a world where all of that is living in marketing, except for like security and and just overall systems engineering. Um, that that is one very practical way of starting to break down the silos that exist between marketing and IT, right? Because you know a lot of a lot of people I talk to, for example. The, the the reason they have to go to agencies or go use agencies is because the web developers that the institution does have, they're just like swamped, right? They have like no time. Like they're, they're working on these major projects, right? Um, that they can't make, you know, simple uh, designs or they, they can't develop a simple like landing page or a simple like website page, right? For the uh, admissions teams, open house next month, right? Like they just, they just don't have the resources for that. Um, but, but I'd be curious, like in, in when you think about other ways that silos can can be broken, other than just kind of a retooling of of organizational structure, what what comes to mind? Because I think for some people this will happen. For others, you know, we're years away from like getting to a point where they can, with a magic wand, wave it, and then all of a sudden they can retool teams as the, as they see as they see fit. So, like, what other what other things are you seeing folks do that you're impressed by or inspired by? in the lane of, of breaking down silos and increasing communication and collaboration.
1: You know, I think when I see a marketing staff person contact us and say, Hey, we want to see your offerings. We love what you're doing. They haven't talked to their IT team. Mm, You know, they're doing their own research. They're like saying, Hey, I want to, I want to create a great argument, a great case to show my IT people what we can be, what we can be doing. And, you know, aside from going back to the whole another way to say it was was look at your org chart first. Yeah. You know where would the job titles and like the structure of your org chart that that should be done but but realizing that that putting people empowering people to everyone be a champion mm. and and put it in their job description to say like yeah you need to help us find the best solutions um putting processes in place to support that maybe if you're still in a siloed system that web governance is even more important like that separate arm you know, we keep going back to this, but um, that, I don't think there's any, any, a real, a real easy answer to that. But yeah. what I do see is these, um, I would say staff people, developers, people that they could tell me up right to that when they meet with me, like, I don't have the decision, I don't have budget, Yeah. but I really want to to learn more. That's, that's, that used to be unheard of. Hmm. I mean, people wouldn't, they would go through, it's a, there's a hierarchy in higher ed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you go, you
1: go through your chain of command and that, that, that's debate whether we should be that that hierarchical but you know i think empowering people and really supporting those those champions at whatever level they are however you can do that you know um through through formal processes and through just hiring the right people and you know in a few years the people who really can't don't want to work in this new environment some are retiring you know the the new world is emerging i talk to people outside of higher ed and they think we've already evolved yeah. Like all my people, they're like, Hey, you're doing remote now, right? I'm like, Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that, but but we're just at the beginning of this, yeah, you know, to yeah. figure out how, how we're going to do it. Um, so roundabout answer, it's tough, but uh, um,
0: <laughs> no, no, but I, but I, yeah. I wonder too, if there's, if there's a solution where you almost go and you, 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 you plant like marketers in, in the IT team, right? Like where, where it's almost because I think, I think one of the challenges to, for both technical people and more non-technical people is the technical people, they oftentimes can have a, the, it, it's often challenging to kind of accurately articulate like what how to do something or like how something is done, right? Um, and then you got your non-technical people thinking, just give me the info, just give me the data. Can't you just, you know, throw this thing on this page? Like, and and there, I feel like the gap, right? It, it is closing uh, as people just get a little bit more smarter, as we get used to kind of, uh, as, as there are quite frankly, more like CMSs out there that are user friendly, that like anyone, any dummy like me can like go and whip up a landing page. As right. that trend continues, that I think that that gap um, shrinks a little right. bit, but I still think that right now there are these massive gaps in understanding of how things work, right? And why, why things are set up the way that they're set up. And so I wonder if like another way to break down a silo is what what would it look like to take marketing teams and, or a couple people, almost like have them go in and say, look, for the next three to six months, you know, Jeff, you're kind of heading up the, the RIT team. I just want, I want you to just like educate me on like literally everything that you possibly could about like how, the digital presence of this institution functions, right? Like how the hell does all this stuff actually work? And I wonder, right, if you were to do, if you were to assign somebody to go work on this special project, like what would they come back with, or what insights would they? Oh my gosh, wow, we're. Did you guys know we're collecting all of this data, and literally no one is doing anything with it because IT right. doesn't know that that's important. No one's told them, right. right? And then the marketing team's like, holy shit, like we had no idea we had this data. We could do a lot with this, right? So I wonder, like, if if that's again just another super simple, you know. Uh, quotes around simple but like a simple way for folks to to learn to break down some silos and to increase collaboration
1: yeah i think that's a great plan zach with my experience in higher ed it's not simple but it sounds <laughs> it sounds simple yeah um
0: it should it, be simple yeah it should be
1: simple um and one step we took towards that is this i could talk about web governance we met every month yeah we had a group of 20 people from all over campus that met every month but it led it hardly anyone mm. brought anything to the table after about five months People started proposing ideas. Yeah. And it was great because then we weren't, we didn't have to be the bad guys and say, no, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. It was just thrown to the group. Like, why are we not adding this link to the homepage? Or, you know, we, we need a new forms tool. Here's, here's the things we're looking at. There's any, any other tools that we should be looking at. And we were doing that. Yeah. Um, To have someone like being shadowed and learning like in, in depth, that would be ideal, but it's just.
0: Probably not possible. Yeah. It
1: it was just challenging. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it's, it's, it's a great. It's great. The ideal is there, um, but another thing to kind of point out is, you know, we talk about IT shrinking and marketing teams evolving. If you look at an org chart these days, you might have a hundred people in an IT division at a large school. Yeah. You might have. If you're lucky, you might have ten in a marketing division. Yeah. You might yeah. have less. Yeah. You might yeah. have three. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, we're we're changing, but what happens is those hundred people. It's much more likely for someone in the infrastructure, telecom, all those things that are in IT that you don't think about to have the skills and the way to think to like be able to do something but they might not do it well. Yeah. Um so so you're right with the tools now like like it's going to skew towards um it should towards more marketing people uh, because they're more in touch with the uh, with our customers um generally.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's I mean it's a it's a conundrum really. Um but I think but I think the schools that uh are are scrappy enough and um who just decide you know what we we are really going to take this on. I We've talked about this, I think on a a past episode, but I also think that like, just in terms of how trends are changing with how students kind of search and their expectations for, to be able to kind of self-service, find what they're looking for in, you know, uh, in a matter of seconds, as that just continues to become, uh, it's no longer a luxury, it's just expected. I think that this kind of collaboration is going to be forced because literally, IT is just not going to know some things and marketing is just not going to know some things. Right. And so like, unless there is a regular flow of communication and conversation, and I would argue that like, it's also like brainstorming. It's also like, Hey, let uh, IT team needs to come to the table and say, here are like five things that you might not know that we have, or that we have access to or, or data that we collect that could be of interest to you. Right. Here, here's, here's, you know, the top five. And, roll through a super simple slide deck then the marketing team right can you know ask questions maybe they get ideas you know initially or what they can say is okay great that's amazing here are kind of five marketing core marketing objectives that we have over the next 12 months right Mm -hmm. here's what we're trying to do is do we have anything like that exists that could help us do this better? Do we need to go shop around for something like, and if, if just p- if people focus on, maybe it's even just three, what are like the three things for each yeah. team to come to the table every month? And you're talking about just three very practical things. Cause I think sometimes what comes, what happens with these meetings, or at least what I the stories I hear is, you know, the monthly web governance meeting is set up and it sounds like you guys fell into a rhythm and it really worked. If people don't come to that meeting ready right it, it can kind of just be like this this waste of time where people get very territorial right but if it, but if instead it's like no 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 no. Mm-hmm. it team your job is to show us three new things marketing team your job is to tell us three of your challenges and three of the opportunities that you see uh before mm-hmm. us and then we can have an open honest discussion about you know how we might be able to what is realistic what can we do what what can't we do yeah
1: you're 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 kind of painting the picture of the ideal scenario which i think is amazing it's 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 what i think no one would argue with if they heard you but they, they could probably with experience you could probably see where it gets challenging but of course yeah, you yeah. need to be there um the the one thing that we have to understand is that like i think we both alluded to and set out, up outright is that we can't keep up it cannot keep no. up like they could 10 to 15 no. years ago If if we can't keep up so so if if it can't give us the short list of the crms for advancement or admissions because they don't know the admissions and advancement people i guarantee you they know yeah they know they have their top three that i wish we could get this because we know so so we we have to leverage that just for the fact that we can't keep up yeah we have to give in and in that in that vein those student affairs and advancement and admissions people
0: Have to do their job too and
1: can't expect it to go find the best solution for them because they're not going to be able to know no no so 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 some of the best proactive divisions are doing that themselves and pushing through saying look we need this here's our requirements here's why we need it they're doing it it's just a spectrum of of you know the the politics and the personalities involved and it, you know comes back to leadership often yeah but um we just can't keep up so let's rely on each other and help each other if, if at the most simplistic way
0: and I, I think I think what's what's uh, you know the broader trend too. I think a lot about like no code tools, right? Like tools that you don't have to be a developer, um, but you can kind of fiddle around. And there's there's enough flexibility to kind of like build a landing page or build an email template or whatever it is. And they no code tools have become incredibly sophisticated even over just the last few years. Like I think about like Webflow as as kind of like a CMS, not not a solution at all for for an institution by any means. But just as like marketers who are working in the space become very familiar and used to building out content that is then on a website that people can convert on and whatnot, is that just from a societal perspective becomes more normalized? Mm-hmm. From a, re- a staff retention standpoint, it's going if you have to deal with a ton of friction every time you're talking to your it team to kind of get something done when you're like, right. damn it, I could build a freaking website page and web flow in, you know, two seconds. And this could serve as my place, you know, just to, to drive event attendees to obviously, again, I'm, I'm, I'm being, being a little harsh here, but my, the point being from a retention standpoint, you're dealing, you're going to be dealing with a generation that isn't going to be that patient. Uh, and I'm talking about your, your employees, right? Not, not, not mm-hmm. students. And I think that like, if, if we don't seriously tackle these challenges now, it doesn't matter. It, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter if IT is right. It doesn't matter if marketing's right. If things can't d- get done in a very quick and stream way, people are just going to – people are going to lose patience. And your best people uh, actually should leave, right, because they're wasting their time.
1: Well, you're right on to something I wanted to talk about, which was um... – one of the reasons I came to Squiz was because of the one of the low code solutions we offer mm. is how do we connect everything? If we know that these systems are going to keep proliferating and being purchased and it's going to be difficult to keep up, so how do we connect them? Yeah. Right. In a in a smart way. Yeah. And that's where I'm really excited about. Um, that opportunity if, we, if we're losing technical talent but we still need to connect systems how do we do that yeah so yeah. we do it with a low code integration platform mm. which is kind of groundbreaking i think in that there's um there's other um integration platforms that are pretty complex and they take kind of weeks of training and you know they, they they work pretty well and they're for connecting enterprise systems to each other so there's this new category of software like that but this is a, a different in that it's it's an Integration platform as a service hmm. that's low code.
0: Yeah. So you yeah. can you can
1: plug in, let's say you're you're on Salesforce, but maybe you move to HubSpot. Yeah. You can plug and play these and you don't need a technical person. Hmm. Um maybe your CMS, your CRM, um, and build your portal with it, build your progressive mobile app with that. So that's what we're really trying to do at Squiz is is make, you know, evolve with our with our customers and yeah. then see see what that future would would look like.
0: Yeah. That's, I, I didn't realize you guys, you know, we're doing this. That's freaking amazing. Um, and, and spot on. I, I have a, another question for you, Jeff, just around like, as you, as you think about, um, you know, the, the short term future here, right? What, what are some things like, I, I guess when, when I think about new software and new solutions and new platforms, right? They are popping up all the time and it's, it's, it's tempting to just be like, wow, this is a new flashy thing. This looks epic. This solves my problem today. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to do this now. And then you encounter a different problem tomorrow and it's like, oh well, shit, like this one doesn't like solve that problem. It solves, <laughs> it solved this problem, but not this new problem that I created. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one of the things like I think about sometimes is what, what is an appropriate, um what is an appropriate sort of adoption look like in higher ed of of new software and new technology, and I think sometimes like one one of the things that we're seeing happen right now, this isn't true totally across the board, but like schools' relationships with OPMs, many of them have very complicated relationships with OPMs, and the number of schools that have talked to me people offline that say, "Hey, I'm do, we're doing everything we can to break up with our with our OPM," uh, is is it's ridiculous. Like I like if I had a dollar for every time I've heard a complaint recently about OPMs, and then obviously everything you know you've seen to you layoffs and just other, other things kind of happening right now. Um, and, and I guess my question is, what am I really trying to ask? What I'm really trying to ask is there are so many new tools, so many new software, so many new platforms that are popping up. You obviously can't just like adopt them all overnight, but also how do you balance that with like the risk of getting locked into like a seven to 10 year contract with a software company or like a, you know, an SIS what, what is the appropriate balance there between being open to adopting new things, you know, not quickly abandoning those new things, but then also like not being in a situation where you're stuck using a system just because it's the system that your school has always used?
1: Yeah, wow, that's a great question. Um, maybe we need to add some episodes on here. <laughs> um, the, the, I think essentially um, we need to, to implement systems
0: that are built on open standards you know that, that's what one is, thing what like what does that mean exactly sorry i don't know what is open source so
1: so open licenses okay. um you know if you were to to leave are you going to be happy being stuck in the in a boat where you know you don't you don't have your data yeah um, yeah you know, those, those types of agreements. But if someone's trying to lock you into a seven to 10 year contract, this might not be the right vendor. They might not be higher ed focused. Mm. So I, I think you need to start it. how do you get to your short list quickly? Yeah, Cause a lot of it is, is how quick we can move and we can't, we can't go too slow, but we can't, like you're saying, we can't just buy the first thing we see. Yeah. So there's this middle ground we have to hit. Right. So how do you get to your short list of whether it's a CRM or OPM or, or whatever to determine what you're going to, um, use and number one is are they a higher ed vendor? Yeah. And if you're a higher ed vendor, what that means is that your roadmap is built for higher ed hmm. or it's built for higher ed and, uh, and you know government like that, which take into account accessibility and co- the most complex environments that, that, that exists, you can imagine. Yeah. So so if you're less than five percent or so, I mean, do you really want to take the risk that your licensing isn't set up for higher ed? Yeah. That's the other thing when we're locked into Dare I say the Microsoft's and Adobe's that we have to use. Yeah. Um, but the licensing and pricing just doesn't, doesn't work very well. Um, that's the offline, right? There's the behemoths. But but right, there's a sweet spot. There's the niche players, there's the mid-size. And so you want to find that sweet spot of, you know, and there isn't there can be many right answers. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so it's all about like we implement something that might have been the, not exactly the right way, but if we used if if we built it um it, so that it can be scalable um, and it's going to handle, maybe we defined one use case, two use cases off the bat and it's working. And then we can, we can build onto it. You know, no one wants to be on the bleeding edge. Yeah, you know, Some schools actually do, but we do want to be on the on the leading edge. So, yeah. you know, you could get lucky and be the first one to use a company that's emerging, but often you're going to hear from your peers, you know, what, what other schools are doing. And, and that's why all these community groups are
0: out there. I think what really where it's coming from is just this, this, this idea of, like, I wish it was easier for people to try things, to see if it would work for them, and then to be able to quickly get off of them and pivot without a ton of pain should they realize that, you know what, this actually isn't exactly what we need because maybe we evolved or maybe we shifted or maybe our strategic priorities changed e- even just a year after adopting, insert, you know, name of EdTech company here. And, and, and I think that, like, you know, I think a lot about the freemium models and you've talked about this on previous episodes too, that a lot of these uh, software companies have of you get in, you, you, you play around in the sandbox a little bit and then you realize, Oh wow, like this is really cool. This is great. I wish it was easier for different stakeholders within the context of an institution to be able to do those things and actually build like a real, like a, you know, a real use case of like, Hey, this is actually how we would do this for us. Here's how it would work and then be able to kind of determine, you know what? This isn't the tool for us. And I feel like it's, there, there aren't lots of great examples of like that being possible. Um, at least that I'm aware of today.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think the the other way to look at it is that since we're evolving so fast, it's really difficult to see further than two or three years out. Right. You can can say, you can say you really can, but you really can't. So if that's the case, you know, build something that you can, that you can replace systems if you need to. Yeah. And as these companies get better at at development and implementation, it gets easier. Is it that big a deal if you're replacing a system every two or three years? That maybe it shouldn't be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, I guess it's a different way to think about it. That you know, as long as you have your data. Yeah. You know, and 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 you get the the contracts written in the favor of the university. That like this is not going to hurt us when we leave you after this three-year contract is up um you need a foundation that can keep it's not about the front the front end technologies it's about keeping your foundation your integration platform i yeah. think consistent so you can you can keep plugging and playing as you go yeah
0: that's a that is a super keen insight and like maybe maybe what we're really kind of saying here is the new expectation right should be or we're not we're not too far from a world where every two to three years your tech stack is going to change up uh and that's and that's just like that's just standard like that's okay like and as opposed to these like you know oh wow we've been on black for 15 years or oh wow we've been on slate for you know 10 years whatever it is like i I do think that that actually makes sense given the rate at which technology is continuing to change and adapt um the rate at which new players are coming into the space maybe yeah maybe that's a good kind of takeaway is hey we're not too far from a world where not for everybody but for many of us every two to three years you're probably going to shake up your tech stack and that's okay you know, <laughs> right?
1: It's hard to get you your head around. It now, is. But it's think, scary because you know maybe we. Yeah.
0: I was just saying because some of these. I mean, I don't want to call. I won't call any specific company name here. But like, I have had many conversations where it took two years to stand up the the tool. Right, it right. took two years to onboard, and by the time you're there, it's like, okay, now you can use it. Two years after you purchased it. And, you know, in, in this new reality, two years from now, there's going to be something that's significantly better. But people are going to be so annoyed and pained, you know, like uh, it just the, the headache of thinking of now moving off after we just did all this for two years. Like people aren't going to want to do that. And so they're going to they're going to be complacent and they're going to you know be satisfied with inferior product simply because they don't want to go through the headache of like having to wait two years to use it again.
1: Maybe maybe we start and say, let's not sign contracts longer than three years. Yeah. You know, and, uh, every three years, we're going to look at look at what's out there.
0: This was fun. I I think, you know, there are are lots of good takeaways here. One, just... Any collaboration, any any conversations, any standing meeting that can happen between IT and marketing over the next couple of years is going to be incredibly important as these teams kind of shift and mold. Uh, and I know that we're we're picking on marketing and IT here in particular. I think this is true across the enterprise, but like you know, for the purposes of this conversation, I think that these two these two teams, these two divisions, there's going to be there's going to need to be way, 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 way more collaboration and openness and, and camaraderie, quite frankly, than ever before. And then number two, I think that, you know, when it comes to thinking through new technologies and the adoption of new software, new platforms, new services, it's not crazy to think that we're moving into a world where we're going to be adopting these new things every two to three years. And like, that should just be expected. That's just the standard. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just, you know, that's that's the new, that's what 2020 and beyond brings you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, you know, on that note too, I think if, if we are living in a world that does that, uh, just quickly adding this thing on too. We, we also need to be living in a world where the implementation of these tools, right? Doesn't take two years, right? Like if, if every two nice. to three years, we're going to change things up. You got to be up <laughs> and running and set up in 30 days after signing. Like, and that's, and that's just, you've got to budget the time to make that happen. You got to make sure you've got the vendors in place or the software providers going to, you know, equip you to be able to do that. But we're talking like 30 to 60 days, not, you know, three to six years of, of being able mm-hmm. to like be stood up and, and using the tools. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that this is a, you know the start of a very, very important conversation.
1: Yep, I agree. I love talking about it. Thanks, Zach.
0: Thank you, sir. And if for folks who are tuning in for the first time, this is episode three of a special Enrollify and Squiz series. If you scroll on down to the show notes, you can click on to episodes one and two. And or if the series is complete by the time that you are listening to this podcast, episode four will be linked as well. Thanks, everybody, for your time. Hey all, Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month, and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.